Welcome to the Director's Podium. I'm your host, Adam Christie, and today we are going to start a new series called Preparing for What You Are Unprepared For. We're going to see how long this series goes on for. Not quite sure. I've got a list of things we need to talk about. We will, however, intersperse some different interviews that we've done with some amazing teachers. But this series is for new teachers or teachers at new schools, particularly for music teachers. Now, it can be applied for any teacher, really. Very few episodes will be applied just to music teachers. And maybe you experienced music teachers might agree or disagree with something. That's great. You should put it in the comments of wherever you're listening at or send us an email at the director's podium booking at gmail.com. And we'll make sure we put that on our next show. But if you're starting a new job, a new teaching job, no matter where you teach, there's something you could get in most every episode of this series. And if an episode in this series has to do with specifically music, it'll probably say so in the title, such as choosing music or something like that. Now, you don't know me from Adam, and that's exactly who I am. I'm Adam Christie, and this series is called Preparing for What You Are Unprepared For. It's for those who have an open mind about what they don't know, who are willing to look for answers and to seek some help or the truth. Obviously, if there are people who think they know it all, they're not going to come to this podcast for answers, which is why you will have the answers that I've stumbled upon and why you will know what I, I don't know, think I know. This series can also be a refresher for those of you who are starting a new job. A lot of the things are very similar. Some are different when you're just starting. But mostly, when you're starting a new job, that is very much the same wherever you go. You are a first-year teacher all over again. Because you can teach, I don't know, 20 years, but as soon as you get to a new place, you're back at year one. You may get back to 20 quicker, but you're still back at year one. So maybe that's you. And if that is you, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening because maybe this will refresh your mind. I've done this new teacher thing a few times and I think I've got it figured out or a lot of it figured out, not based off of what I've done right. I want to make that very clear. I do not want to come off as a know-it-all, but at the same time, I'm trying to give you information that might help you out. Again, not based off off of what I've done right, mostly by what I've done wrong. A lot of what I'm going to say is based off experience, through relationships, through relationships gone bad, and how I think they could have been righted through instances where I made the wrong decision, but now I know the right decision. And if I can prevent you from breaking a relationship that you need to succeed, if this stops you from making a bad decision, that can prolong your teaching career, then I'm glad I'm doing this. So I'm going to move past why you became a teacher right now, because you should have come up with that a long time ago, but I am going to reference it on occasion because it does matter. You have to go back to remember why you started. 
so that you can continue on the path to living out that vision you have for yourself. That's really important. You have to go back to why you started. Maybe it's your vision for you. Maybe you feel it's God's vision for you. Maybe you feel you were chosen by some deity to teach, to do this very grueling profession. It's a profession that you are, you're literally asking for hardship. You're literally asking for pain. You're going to be expected to be held at a higher standard than most other people. In fact, I would make the case that you're held to a higher standard than your local pastor because your pastor is only held in front of his people or her people or binary people. I don't know what you want to call it, but they're only held in front of their congregation once, maybe twice a week. But you, you are held in front of a congregation five days a week. If you're seeing them every other day, three days a week or two days a week. And you're responsible for where you go and what you do. Some places, teachers aren't even allowed to go in the bar. Some places, you're not even allowed to drink. Some places, you can't be seen in any sort of situation that might compromise you or make you appear as someone making a bad decision or that might be a bad role model for kids. So where we are now is you have questions you should ask before you take the job or at least before you start day one, uno. These can be in the interview, they can be over the phone, they can be in person, but I really believe that these questions need to be asked for you to be fully informed and fully prepared for what you're about to go into because what you're about to go into, you were not prepared for. In fact, you were woefully underprepared for. You may look back at your time in college and say, what the hell did I do in college? Because Lord knows I don't feel prepared for this at all. And that's true. I wish they would teach on a lot of the stuff that I'm about to share with you. But they don't. And part of why they don't is because it's so hard to teach. Part of why they don't teach you is because if you knew what was so hard about teaching, you probably wouldn't have become a teacher. And they can't have that. They've got to get people out. You've got to get people through because there's a teacher shortage. And so remember that this is where you're starting. As we start this process, you are somebody who is needed in a world where there is a teacher shortage. So they need you. Now, the first question you should ask is tell me about the program. It's pretty simple, pretty standard. Tell me about the music program. But you might be surprised about what they say. So first, ask this to the principal. See what they have to say. You know, you could tell really quick by listening to a principal whether they view this job as a babysitting job, and a lot of them do. You can tell whether they view this job as just another curriculum that they should have to make them look like a good principal or whether it's something that actually has a purpose, something that they believe actually can change lives. Not a lot of them actually feel that convicted 
about music, but some of them were in music and some of them got it. I know some great music teachers who became principals, so some do get that. But you want to see how they view the program, and you want to see how they view what you do. Then, at a separate time, make sure the principal is not there and ask that same question to the former teacher there. Tell me about the program. Now, this will tell you two things. What the perception is of the administration in the music department. It also tells you the administration is being honest with you. Because remember, they're trying to get you hired. They may say, oh, we have one of the best music programs in this area. Well, that doesn't mean anything. This could be in southeast Montana where there's three schools and 40 kids in each school. And, you know, they can say, this is the best program in southeast Montana. Well, that is, no, that is something nobody can compare. You could be pulling that out of your ass. So you're seeing how honest they are and how much they're trying to sell you. Plus, they will tell you, that teacher you're asking, they will tell you what you're actually getting into. Now, they may be a little shy about sharing with you. It kind of depends on how they left. If they left because of not being supported, you can get that out of them when you ask them, tell me about the program. This leads me to question two. Tell me why you left. Tell me why you're leaving. That might be my first question before I say tell me about the program. When you ask it is up to you, but I would ask, tell me why you left. It doesn't matter when you ask it, but you have to hear it from their lips to your ears. It's very clear why they left. To retirement or they found another job? Okay, on to question three. First question is tell me about the program. Next question is tell me why you left. And question three, if they haven't answered it in their previous question, is what are the numbers like in the program? If they say it's a rebuilding year, you've got to figure out why it's rebuilding. Was it a bad teacher? Was that a lack of support? Was it COVID? Is the counselor killing their music program? Now, if you're listening to this immediately after COVID-19 or we don't know what's going to happen with Delta, it looks like we're going to have another year, another hit on our numbers because of the Delta variant. So, Right now, cases are starting to explode. We thought we were over this, and now we are going back, which is heartbreaking. So what that means is, is that if you're listening to this after COVID, that's why you're rebuilding. This COVID has taken massive hits at music programs. We don't know how long it will take to recover. We don't know how many teachers will be left at the end of this whole thing. Because teachers are honestly quitting in droves. You know, the community says, I appreciate teachers. And as soon as kids are sent home, 
As soon as kids are sent home for remote learning, you'll see it on social media. Oh, teachers, they're so great. We don't pay our teachers enough. And then as soon as they are sent back, parents change their tune. Our teachers get paid too much. They get the summers off. My kid doesn't act like this when... My kid doesn't act like the way they're describing at home, so it must be the teacher. They're the source of all my kids' problems, and it's somewhat absurd. Because when, when people say my kid doesn't act like this at home, this is kind of a side thing, but when, when, when kids say my kid, or when people say my kid doesn't act like this at home, either A, it's probably true, they're probably worse at home, or B, they're right. They change before first period into the person we see for eight hours and then change after school so their parents at home don't see that person. Okay, it's a little absurd. But let me ask you this. Were you the same at home as you were at school? And why? And that attitude towards teachers that parents are bringing is making teachers quit. And I'm sorry if that's happened to you. You do not deserve that, but you're also not alone. It's happening all across the country. Now, are they leaving because there's a bad teacher? Are these kids leaving because there's a bad teacher in the program? Maybe, but it's actually kind of crazy because I've seen some program I've seen some programs explode with a bad teacher. You know why? because they know that they can get away with anything in their class. So you'll have a hundred kids in a choir class because it's their dick around class. It's their, you know, who cares? It's just for credit. It's just for social hour. So they don't take it seriously. Class fills, looks like they have a really healthy program and it's just a goof around class. And the teacher doesn't hold them accountable for their behavior. In fact, you probably never hear about what's going on in that class as a parent because that's where they goof around and they're not going to tell their parents about that. You'll hear more as a parent. You'll hear more about what is going on in a class if the teacher is actually trying to enforce the rules but kids are still trying to treat it as a dick around class. So, you know, it's, it's weird how that works. But those programs can be really big. Or maybe the programs decline because there was a teacher who was fired or a teacher left, and a lot of kids dropped out of that program. All reasons why they could be rebuilding. But you want to know... What happened? And honestly, do you want to know what the number one killer of music programs is? All right, here we go. School counselors. I don't know what it is. I don't know why school counselors do not support music more. But let me tell you that I have seen it so often. They do not want to be inconvenienced to get kids into choir or band, but by God, they'll help them drop. For some reason, 
It's really easy to drop band or choir when they go to the counselor's office, but it is enormously hard to get into music classes. And I don't know why that is. Some of you may be blessed to have a counselor who actually is a benefit to your program. And you know, actually, a counselor helping get kids in your program is just as important as a supportive principal. In fact, it may be more important because they literally can rip your program apart. Question four. You should ask, is what are the stipends? Find out what your stipends are going to be for this job and how much they are. You want to know what you're going to have to do and you want to know what you're going to make. And you want to know what's expected of you. Pretty cut and dry. There's not a whole lot to go into. But generally, I would not consider this stipend as part of your income. Now, you're going to see I kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth here. But it's additional. It doesn't, I wouldn't view it as something that, you have to view it more as something that boosts your income. It's additional because you can never really fully count on those stipends. And you shouldn't because you don't know what will happen, especially after COVID. You know, if you had a swing choir and you can't meet with your swing choir, or you had a jazz band, you can't meet with your jazz band, or you had a chamber orchestra and you can't meet with your chamber group, and that was a part of your stipend, and that's why you're hired, and you can't have the swing choir or jazz band or chamber group, well, then your income was just cut. And you'll get in thinking you'll make one thing, and it's... 2000 3000 unfortunately, like $700 less. So you can't rely on it. And maybe some of you know a program where they can rely on it, they've been there long enough, or they don't have to worry about it, and that's fine. But you as a new teacher don't rely on it. That's, that's some solid advice that I was given one time. Don't rely on that stipend because you don't know what'll happen. Now, if you thought this episode was worth it, would you be willing to help us out either with your time or your talent or your treasure? Now, if you're great at telling people about the podcast or marketing and you'd be willing to put an hour into marketing our podcast, go for it. Use whatever pictures, clips, logos, whatever you need Shoot us a message on social media if you need something to help you market. And if you're great at drawing or artwork, would you be willing to help us out with a new logo or t-shirt design? If your gift is a web development, hey, you could help us out with our website. If you're great at audio and editing, you could help us with editing. Part of why we don't have podcasts more often is the editing takes me forever. And if you could help us with that, oh, we need you. Whatever gifts you have, if you found value in this, this is called the, uh, the value for value model, where people help however they can, and people give value for the value that they received. And if some people have more money than time, one, 
super jealous. <laughs> but our Venmo is on our website, thedirectorspodium.com, if you feel like contributing money towards what we do, if that's how you would offer your value. And maybe it's offering an opinion. If you have an opinion, make a video or voice recording of a thought you have, and there's a pretty good chance we will put it on our next show. Maybe you'd like to be a guest, or maybe be interested in co-hosting. I've been looking at possibly getting a co-host. So shoot us a message on social media, and even if the best you could do is tell someone about the podcast or post a quote that really stuck with you with a link to the podcast in a Facebook group, that's awesome. It is so appreciated. Can't express to you how much that means. And we will keep the content flowing and keep giving you value for value. So, on our next podcast, we will have the fifth, sixth, and seventh questions for you. Don't forget to check out our leadership podcast, Leading Change with Adam Christie, some great leadership content that will definitely help you as a teacher. Today, we just posted a new interview with Dr. Tim Sharp, former executive director of ACDA. Lots of great stuff from him and others. And you can go to leadingchangepodcast.com or find it on any podcasting platform or YouTube. So come back next time for questions five, six, and seven that you should ask before you start day one of this year. I am Adam Christie, and you've been listening to The Director's Podium.